Good to see you. Glad to be bringing the word today. I was in my, my garage. It's where I have my gym. I call it TrevFit 608 because I don't go to CrossFit with Marco anymore. But I was in my gym and I was pumping iron. It's about 200 pounds away from 300 on the bench. And uh, <laughs> just finished my third set of eight. Just taking a sip of water. I look up in my garage, and I've got like a bunch of boxes stacked up, Christmas stuff, Easter, Halloween, whatnot, and my cat is like right on the top, and it's looking at me, clearly impressed, and I was like, ah, I, wish, I wish that my cat was just a tiny old man with a beanie who was there to fire me up and was looking at me, and he's like, you can do this, you're going to eat lightning, you're going to poop thunder, train harder, here you go, this is going to be it. And I was like, that's what I need. If I could have that, I'm fairly certain I would have got three sets of 10. So I sat there and I was like, I need to make a list. I need to make a list of people who I think should be my trainer. Because I'm not so sure Mick from Rocky, one and two, part of three, um, would be my best trainer. So I need someone who's going to help me, you know, defeat my enemies, all that stuff. So here's what I did. I, I sat down and I thought, okay, what about Morpheus? I thought he would be good. He would free me from the matrix, teach me a lot of good kung fu. That could come in very handy for me. I went down to Splinter. Turtles are cool. I know Pastor Tim has a pond. He loves turtles. I'm not too into sewers, so I didn't know about that. Dumbledore, big fan, though I couldn't grow a beard like him, so that would be an issue. You've got to like, at least somewhat look like your mentor, Mushu from Mulan. Not into dragons as much because I'm not a Targaryen. Star. Um, I don't know, the color blue looks good on me sometimes, the genie from Aladdin. I was really struggling. thought Yoda, but then no. I settled on the dude from Dodgeball. Have you seen this movie? If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That's what I need because ultimately my biggest enemies, and I know I'm like, this is kind of sad, but my biggest enemies are 6th to 8th graders who throw tiny balls at me. And so I need to become greater at this. So I thought if I could seek this man out, he could train me, he could help me fight, he could help me to defeat my enemies. And then I came across our text today, and it kind of didn't work out the way I wanted it to, because I thought about Jesus' followers. And I bet there were some of Jesus' followers who remember when the power was flowing out of him before he said all the blessed and the woes last week, who saw him and said, you know what, man, if you, can, if you can cast out demons, if you can heal sick people, I bet you can do the opposite. I bet you can bring down some sort of plagues. I bet you can start to really hurt people. You could really rid us of these Romans. And if you can feed 5,000 people and you can make a whole ton of wine, then I bet you can at least supply our army with everything that we would need. So why don't you start training us that way so that whoever opposes us, whoever gets in our way, whoever tries to stand against us will be defeated. Because we're just a little bit tired of this injustice. We've had enough of this suffering. We're, we're tired of paying taxes. We're tired of being looked down upon. It's time for you to put together a plan, a training schedule for us, so that we can destroy, conquer, and defeat our enemies. And then our text comes to us today. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. This is one of those moments where I wish I could Obi-Wan Jesus and be like, this is not the plan you wanted to give me. <laughs> but I can't do that. And I know that I shouldn't do that. 
Because Jesus does have a plan for us and for our enemies. And there are three steps in this plan. Do good, bless, pray for them. Do good to them, bless them, and pray for them. This is not a plan with a secret motive where, you know, do good, but in your heart hope that they'll actually fail. This is not a say nice things to their face, but as soon as they leave, then you can speak however you want about them. This is not a, you know what, you need prayer, so i got to be praying for you because you are awful. Jesus loves you, though. Peace. This right here is heart stuff. Do good, bless, and pray drives into our heart into our hands and into the habits of our lives. Do good to our enemies. Why? Because the Lord is good to us. And someone has to stop the hate. And someone has to break the cycle. Because even though we are evil, the Lord is good to us. Bless them. Why? Because the Lord blesses us. Because too many times words are used to tear down, to destroy, to point out all the things that are wrong or the things that we don't like. And someone has to stop the hate. And someone has to break the cycle. Because even though we curse, the Lord still speaks words of forgiveness to us and words of worth to us. And why pray for them? Because the Lord intercedes to the Father for us, even now, even to this day. And we pray because we believe that prayer has the power to change. And when we turn to prayer, we are going to the Father first, asking Him to stop the wrong, the hate, and to break the cycle. Three steps. I don't really think that the order matters in the steps. What matters is the relationship, the relationship that we have with the Father who deals with us in a certain way and the relationship we now have with our enemies to deal with them, to deal with them as Jesus has dealt with us. Like he did on the cross where he broke the cycle. For it was there on the cross while he was hanging there, while evil was being done to him, that he prayed for those who were harming him, that he spoke the blessing and shouted out, it is finished, and the sins of the world were done away with. He continues to say that if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. To be clear, Jesus is not telling you to stay in an abusive relationship and to do nothing. Tell someone, get help, and take the necessary steps to get safe. But to be clear, Jesus is telling us that to strike back is not his way. That this idea of eye for an eye is not the goal. And to turn the cheek is not at all to be passive. It is one of the hardest things to do, to have someone strike you or curse you or want you to fail and to have you not retaliate. That is a tall order. And we pray that the Lord would give us the strength to do good to, do good to those who hurt us.
And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. To be clear, Jesus is not saying if someone walks up to you and says, if you're a Christian, give me your house because I ask you have to give it to me. But to be clear, Jesus is saying, don't hold on to your things so tightly. Things that can be taken from you. And if all you care is about getting them back, there will be no peace in that. But there is peace in generosity. There is peace in the joy of sharing and not giving without any expectations. Or giving and knowing that they don't owe you anything. No Dwight Schrute's wanting around, giving people bagels, hoping for a favor in return. Because love doesn't exist that way. Can you imagine if God gave his grace based on what we were going to give back to him? We would never know where we stood with God. We would never know if we have done enough. We do not want our relationships to always be wondering if I have done enough to earn their love. Because that is fear. That is not love. Give without expecting anything in return. And then we have to do, do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the golden rule. Almost every religion in the world or great thinker has this. But interestingly enough, only Jesus has it in the positive form of action. To do to others. To be active in pursuing good to them. Not just don't do bad to them but rather do something for them, do good. Telling you no longer can you abstain from doing something and think, well, as long as I don't do it and I don't hurt them, well, that's good enough. This calls and forces us to get involved and to go all in on loving others. And he pushes you even farther. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. It's like he knows our weaknesses. He knows our tendencies. He knows that we would find a way to find a way to just get a little bit around loving people so that we could only have to love the ones that we like or the ones who look and think like we do. But if we are serious about imitating the Father, if we are serious about being like Jesus, about living into this faith that he has called us into, knowing and believing that we have received his spirit and that he himself has prepared good works for us to do, then it is time that we let our trainer, our mentor, our savior lead the way to follow him, to rise up in the new life that he has given and practice this new life. Practice this new life as we experience his grace after grace, his mercy after mercy, his love after his love. Because it is in this new life that we will experience so many opportunities and chances to overcome evil with good. 
Romans 12 is a fantastic supplemental reading to our text today. If you are not familiar with Romans 12, write it down, make a little note of it, tell Siri to tell you to read it before you go to bed tonight, because it is a fantastic chapter about learning to love, to hate what is evil, and to cling to what is good. And so is Psalm 25. Psalm 25, there's this wonderful part that reads, Don't remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways, O Lord, but according to your love remember me. For you are good, good and upright is the Lord, because he instructs sinners in his ways. See, the Father is patient with us. The Father is forgiving with us. The Father lets the rain fall on those who are good and those who are evil. And really, lest we ever forget, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us walk up to the table needing what He has given to us and what He alone supplies. Grace, forgiveness, and worth. No longer can we pick the people who we want to love, the ones who look and think like us, but rather we love all. For that is what the Father does. That is what our Lord Jesus does. And when we imitate our Master, when we live the life that He has called us to live, well, then it says right here, your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Don't judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Now we could go back and forth on what that reward means. Is that the beach house in heaven or just the apartments a few blocks down, depending on how you do? Technicolor coat versus just a one-color coat. But really, that's not the focus of this text. The focus is on the imperatives, the calls of what to do. See, children of the Most High must be holy. And there's that verse in in Leviticus, be holy as I am holy, the Lord. That's what we're shooting for. But when we come across this merciful and judging piece, something happens. See, to be holy means you have to separate from something. And back in the time of Jesus, to be holy meant to be clean. That whole idea of cleanliness is next to godliness. So if you wanted to be holy and clean, then you needed to separate yourself. You could not get dirty. You could not touch something that was unclean, say like a sinner or a certain food or a certain place. And yet when we say, be children of the Most High, be holy, be merciful, we now must read it in the way that Jesus lived it, in the way that Jesus told it. Now, a little story about a Samaritan. See, when we are merciful, we are not separating, nor are we choosing. When we are being merciful, we are getting all up in it. We are entering the mess of this world. We do not lock our doors and hide behind anything. Rather, we go to those who are hurting, and we stand in mercy, we stand in prayer, doing good and blessing. Because in His mercy, in His goodness, in His faithfulness to us, He came down to be with us so that nothing, nothing could ever separate us from Him.
Nothing could ever separate him from you. For he has defeated the true enemy, the evil one. The one who tries to snatch us from the Father's hand. Defeated him and secured your place in heaven for all time. So if we are really listening. Then we shout, Lord, what can we do? Give mercy. Do not judge. Do good. Bless. Pray. As followers of Jesus. Following in what he has done for us. Now this, like last week, is not something that we can do on our own, but we need the help of the Father. So we will go to him in prayer and ask for him to give us what we need. And this week what I did was I found, I tried to find one person who I could begin praying for, speaking the blessing over, trying to do good to, one person that I thought of as my enemy. And if it helps you, maybe think of, of one person today for yourself. And as we pray this prayer together, to keep them on your heart.